All right. It's news to us here live on Adobe Radio. A lot to get to tonight. A jam-packed show. How's it going? Uh, Eddie's here. Jason, Chris. What's yo, up, yo, yo, How are you guys doing? Good. Fine. Uh, well, we wanted to give an update on the January 6th committee and see what's happening with that because there's a lot of news that has come out recently. So we're going to uh, update you on that. Jason, uh, anything you can tease us? Can you can you tickle us a little bit on that one? The the circle is getting closer and closer on uh or it's tightening up on uh DJT. Oh, okay. As it should. And also we have a guest joining us on the episode this week. Lauren Hubbard is running for Congress to represent California's twenty second district. And uh we'll kick it off with him because he's uh on a little bit early, so why not? Here we go. It's News to us. Radio. Of course, you can follow the show on Twitter. It's news to us. We are very active on there. Also on our Instagram, we post a lot of videos and uh, various things that people are really seem to be digging. So or on uh, all the social medias, of course. But, uh, you know, more importantly, though, the, the midterms are uh, starting to heat up and we are uh, covering it here. We have for the past year or so, but uh, it's going to get pretty wild here. Are you guys, are you guys ready for midterms and, and everything uh, surrounding them? Are Mid-term we ready? Mania. <laughs> Midterm mania. I, I look for it. I'm, I was born ready. Yeah. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's kick off our midterms coverage for uh, this week. Here we go. It's news to us. 2022 midterms coverage continues. And yes, the midterms coverage continues right here on It's News to Us with our guest, Lauren Hubbard. He's running to represent California's 22nd district, and uh, he is joining us live on the show. Hey, how's it going, Lauren? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Happy to be on. Hey, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you being here and uh, taking the time to, to chat with us. Uh, you are actually running in the same district where David Nunez just uh, resigned. He's a quitter. Yeah, resigned, abandoned. Yeah, <laughs> he abandoned the ship. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were supposed to trade, betrayed the country. Yeah. That's what he did. You know, I mean, really, that's kind of like what we're seeing. I, I think it was like you know, par for the course. Uh, I think it was kind of planned. The, the Republican strategy going into this thing is really trying to get people fatigued. So, you know, we in California, we just had a recall election that we had to get through for our governor. Yeah. Um, we got uh, the special election for, for filling this seat abandoned by Devin Nunes on top of getting ready for the primary for the regular 2022 primary um, and into the general. So it is par probably the strategy that uh, I think they're trying to employ here is just making sure that everyone is fatigued that nobody pays attention because uh, they win when people don't vote. Now, how how is it on the ground? How are uh, people handling all of this? Like, what are you hearing from, you know, the the people in the district? You know, the reaction has been uh, uh, really positive. I think there's like a collective sigh of relief that Devin Nunes was leaving. Um, even from some of the conservative people that I know that are are like my friends who are. Uh, you know, traditional conservatives who um, feel less and less a part of the Republican Party. Um, it is uh, really the feeling that um, we are going to not only win this special election, 
but the district itself during uh, redistricting that we just went through um, is now a plus 10 Democratic district. So right. we are not only going to win this special election, but we are also going to go forward and, and uh, win this seat. Some people were speculating maybe that's why Devin Nunez stepped down is because he realized there was no way in hell he was going to win. But also he got that offer to go run Trump's propaganda network, which is probably going to be an absolute failure, like everything that guy has done. But uh, before yeah, we mean, get into like that, kind of grift. <laughs> right, more grift. That's all it is. Before we get into that and um, some of your policy stance stances, I we do like to get to know our guests a little bit on a personal level. So I do have some personal questions for you, if, if you don't mind. Let's get into them. Okay, Zach. Uh, what would you? Uh, what What would your number one karaoke pick song be? Oh, uh, let's see. I just did karaoke this past weekend. Oh wow! Um, I'm a big country fan, so it is either going to be um, Chris Young getting you home because it's the the lower registers there, or obviously <laughs> Garth Brooks. Uh, either Friends in Little Places, Thunder Rolls. Oh, okay. Uh, Papa Love Mama. Either every one of those cooks. <laughs> uh, that's that was a good. One. I Chris, you've done Friends in Low Places, haven't you? Karaoke. I swear. Did we do that one night? <laughs> mm, uh, you might be thinking of somebody else, my friend. No, what was I it? Do the have, we I have Friends in Little Places, but I've never sung that in karaoke. No. What was the one that you and I did that one time? Was it? Uh, that was some Alice in Chains. So oh, your way yeah. off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Alice in Chains. Another galaxy, we, my friend. We did a duet to uh, Alice in Chains, man. The box it was very embarrassing. Yeah. We were at a nice. we were at a Western bar, though, or a country bar. We were. So maybe yeah. that's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Those are good picks. Or that's a good pick. I like both of those songs. What? So did you have a nickname growing up at all? And if so, what was it? Uh, my nickname growing up was Cadillac, which oh. is um, uh, a throwback to my uh, my football days. Because I was like, you know, I was big but flashy, like a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Cadillac, not Caddy. Not Caddy. Although I can, I can go by Caddy now, the the Caddy Daddy. Well, speaking of football, so you would probably have you been watching any of the NFL this season and who do you think is going to go to the Super Bowl? You know, I watched all the playoff games this weekend and they were all pretty great. Yeah. Um, you know, being from California, I, I, um, I, the Niners are okay. They're not really like my team or anything, but uh, I'm just not a big Jimmy G fan. I, I don't think he's like a Tom Brady where he's going to like, you know, win you a championship. He just, he, you know, it's good for him to just manage a game and not lose you a championship. So, um, plus the 49ers are going against the Rams. Funny story. My uh, family's from East St. Louis and they uh, originally uh, uh, come from there and they moved to California in the sixties. My grandpa's uh, actually a white cat. So he was in an interracial relationship in Missouri in the oh, 1960s. I'm sure that they, was pleasant. Oh, wow, we not the greatest. So they moved down no, to California, yeah. and so we have cheered on the Rams since the St. Louis days. It was really funny. My my the first baseball game I ever went to, um, my grandpa took me to Cardinals Dodgers, and bought me a Cardinals hat, and you know was wanting me to be a Cardinals fan since we cheer for the Rams, and uh, it backfired on him because I became a Dodger fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man 
Well, yeah, it's uh, are, are we happy that Tom Brady isn't going to the Super Bowl or uh, we, um... <laughs> you know, uh, I, what he's been able to do has been pretty incredible. Um, I'll give him the credit where it's due. Um, I do hate like the announcers in games that Tom Brady's in. Uh, I think we were watching the game yesterday. Um, was it had that uh, the Rams had that long snap and it was uh, bobbled and fumbled, and the announcers were like, "Oh, and that's just the kind of stuff that happens when you're playing Tom Brady." And it's like, is he on defense too? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I know. Like they they all, they kiss his ass. It goes a little too far. I feel like. Okay, so uh, yeah. I do have a photo here that we pulled from your social media, and I'm wondering if you could uh, tell us what's Uh-oh. going on in this photo here. So uh, we have, looks like your family uh, possibly doing some cosplay. Yeah, so we are uh, a big Disney family. So I used to work at the uh, Walt Disney World with my wife. We both did the Disney College program. And during college and we're able to do an internship down there. And so we go there every year in October for my birthday. Um, and that particular trip, we decided to go as the gang from Captain Marvel. So my oldest daughter is Captain Marvel. Uh, I myself am playing a rugged, good looking Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. <laughs> and then <laughs> my wife is playing a, another uh, shield agent. And then, my youngest, we got her a cat outfit so she could be Goose, the the cat from Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's a lot of fun. Really cool. I mean, everybody loves yeah, superheroes. Do you want to Samuel s- Jackson's got nothing on you, buddy. <laughs> you better watch out. You're going to steal that role. He can't play Nick Fury forever, so I think you're next. So, um, all right. Well, cool. Yeah, it's always good to get to know people a little bit on a personal level before we jump into all of this uh, policy talk, which can be, you know, a little intense sometimes. And, and uh, there's this serious issues to talk about. Um, I, I, I understand that when you're growing up, your mother worked really long days, 10, 12 hour days, relied on food stamps to provide for you and your sister. And you really know what it's like to be a part of a struggling working class uh, uh, family that, that works their butts off, but still can't get ahead. And I would imagine like right. that's a really important issue to you. And what, uh, what plans do you have to help these people who are in similar position? Yeah. That experience growing up really kind of, uh, I've learned to take a step back and, and look at it and say, you know, take a look at where I am and, and, you know, where you come from and um, really appreciate the sacrifices that my mother made for us to, to be able to go to college and get a degree and kind of, I think that's, um, you know, uniquely American is we're all wanting our kids to be better. So we do the sacrificing so that we could push them forward. And I think too many American families are finding it just a little too hard. It's not that people, you know, don't like a challenge. I, uh, you know, I love the fact that I am, you know, working hard and I get to uh, have a 529. I can put money away for my girls to go to school and they don't have to do, uh, you know, get into student loan debt that I'm trying to get out of now. Um, I take a lot of pride in that. But I think that for most people, you know, we are in almost every situation 
always batted back down. It's like you can come up, but not too high from the powers that be. And so for me, being in Congress um, and really getting a a shot at making some legislation to help people, uh, one of the things that I think we can do almost immediately and that there is an appetite for, especially with the Biden administration, um, is is getting some type of money uh, directly in the hands of people for housing assistance. Um, so HUD, I think, you know, Trump cut HUD and, you know, Ben Carson you know, literally sleep at the wheel. Um, you know, yeah. Section 8 housing is one of those programs that is really is doing the, what the government wants it to do, right, is, is keeping people in housing. The problem with it is that there's not enough funds to help all the people who need it. So you're on a wait list for Section 8 for, I think it's like something on average, 18 to 24 months on average. Uh, just to get housing assistance. One of the things that I think that there's appetite for is increasing funding for Section 8. Um, And when you say there's not enough funds, I mean, we have a lot of money in this country, and it just happens to go to uh, disproportionately a shit ton of it goes to defense when um, yeah. you know, we could be helping people here with programs like you're mentioning and uh, it it really is frustrating to see how we could be utilizing these resources better. You did mention student loan debt, and you said that you have that yourself. Do you support erasing student loan debt or forgiving up to a certain amount? There's been talk about that in the Biden administration as well, up to fifty thousand dollars, or it could be any sort of amount. What what, what are your thoughts there? And then it went to ten, and it just you know I think he could do himself a lot of favors if if Joe Biden were to actually come out and, I don't know, keep promises that he made to people when he was campaigning. Uh, What a novel idea that a politician can run on something and actually keep his word. Um, So for me, you know, there's so much positive uh, outcomes that come from getting rid of student loan debt. I would love to see legislation that, you know, we cancel student loan debt, but then also have uh, as a part of that legislation uh, reforms to make college more affordable to begin with. Um, otherwise, we're just going to have to keep canceling the debt, keep canceling the debt. Yeah, uh, I've seen statistics where you know Pell grants used to cover eighty percent of of tuition and and board, um, and now it's it covers sixteen percent on average. With, you used uh, a public you, university. Our uh, research says that you actually used a Pell Grant. Is that correct? And how much of your education oh, yeah. did that cover? Would you roughly estimate? Let's see. I have about thirty six thousand um, dollars in student loans right now, and Which, uh, that's, the that's Pell a lot of money. Probably about half. Okay, that, I mean that's pretty good. Thirty six thousand dollars, definitely a lot of money. Some people are drowning in hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I don't know how that. And then some people even pay off the principal. Say they took out originally, I don't know, $50,000 loan. They ended up paying that amount back. And then the interest hits them on the back end. And now these people are have paid out. These, are, these loans are predatory because these people have paid out way more than they borrowed. Uh, that, I feel, is also right. an issue. Should there be interest on student loans? Do you, I mean, obviously, when, when the government is lending the money, you know that, that's the that's the the thing. It's it's the the government's money. Um, I, I count it as an investment 
in, in, in our people. Um, you know, we're seeing a situation now. My wife's a registered nurse, so she's on the front line. We've been going on. This is now through year three of dealing with a, a global pandemic. Um, and people, her friends are leaving the nursing field. You know, we have uh, people that are not going into nursing, not going to get a doctor's degree, not going on to, to do these professional uh, careers because of the prohibitive cost of student loans. So, you know, one of the things I think is is kind of that I've had to find out from my like personal experience, you know, when you come from a place and you go and you get your education and, you know, you get a degree, you start working and then people think, okay, you've made it. Why, why aren't you pulling your people up? And it's like, well, no, I'm, I, I did all this, but I'm still struggling myself, you know. Um, we're not in a place where we can go back into the community and like, like financially help people. Um, and so for me, like it was all about how can I find ways to, to give back to my community? How can I find ways to, um, you know, mentor young men in my community to show them another path other than getting into gangs or getting into drugs? Um, and that is with my time. And so that's one of the things that I think if you, you know, we're in a spot, money is really tight. We can find other ways to do it uh, with our time. And uh, when it comes to, to legislation on these things, um, if America is going to continue to be the great superpower that it is, we need to understand that we need to start investing in us again. Okay, and I'm not talking about you know bipartisan infrastructure, which had some good things in it, but let's be honest, it was really kind of a, a, a corporate grab bag, corporate slush fund for a lot of things. Um, we would need to make social investments in people's lives so that they can not get a hand up, but make life a little bit easier. Every time I talk about issues about like where I come from and where I grew up, um, you know, I, when I started this race, I had never talked to a consultant <laughs> before in my life. And they told me that you really can't talk about poor people or poor people issues. You should really use the middle class. And that's because... When you talk about poor people, it doesn't have the power. People are just like, eh. What a so shame. So we don't, you know, and we you, don't focus on it. You're also talking about uh, finding ways to invest in our citizens and lift people up. And that I would, I think you're probably referring in many cases to education. But um, there's a strong force in this country, the GOP. They are anti anything that has to do with supporting education because they're fascist uh, assholes who are trying to keep people down by not allowing them to be educated. So how do you combat that? That's true. That is true. And I think that what we need to really do is talk to people, um, you know, about our values and, and really kind of challenge them on the, uh, these given talking points that Republicans have, Republicans are always the ones talking about freedom and opportunity and security when really those uh, values at their heart are progressive. Um, and so for me, I, I try to go out and talk to, you know, depending on who I'm talking to, um, you know, kind of channel one of those three things and, and really challenge the Republican notion that, you know, they're for freedom. When we talk about, when I'm talking about freedom, freedom from medical debt, freedom to have health care that allows you to, you know, pursue life that you wanted. 
Um, that's the American ideal, right? You know, when Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, he wrote, you know, the pursuit of happiness as the American dream. And when you have a, a country that does not allow for people um, to have health care as a human right, um, it becomes very hard to pursue that happiness. And so challenging Republicans on these talking points, when we talk about security, sure, they're always talking about like, oh, we need to secure the border and, and you know, we need to have a defense budget where we spend more than the next 11 countries combined. Um, but they're not talking about security in the in the, the form of personal security. Um, you know, that freedom, medical debt being the number one reason people go bankrupt in this country. Which is um, a shame and uh, just really immoral. It is ridiculous. And when you're talking about $300 <laughs> Q-tips for people when they go to the ER, it, it, there's really something wrong there. And it's disgusting. And IV bags, $98. It cost them. Mm. 50 cents to make it's yeah. like yeah, an it's, it's, 26 dollars right yeah, yeah. and, and I, I know that obama was starting to tackle this issue the problem is is a lot of money is involved and these are the same companies that are essentially buying congress so uh do you feel at all that it may be a little bit naive to think that you can go in and change this system um, I, I am a realist to, to understand the challenge that lies ahead with it. Um, and, you know, we just celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. Um, you know, what people remember from Martin Luther King is the I have a dream speech. So you got to start somewhere. You got to start with a vision. Yeah. And then share that vision. Uh, you sell that vision to, to the public and have them buy into it. And then together push our country forward. I, I have this vision to where our country, um, you know, is always evolving. And what we need to do at this point, um, you know, healthcare being what we've talked about most here today um, is also the number one issue for folks when I'm out in the district talking to people, whether they're Republican or Democrat, everybody has a story that, you know, my, my story was my mother who had health insurance but her health insurance didn't cover her prescriptions. So she uh, couldn't afford her prescriptions, decided to put her money in other bills. Um, you ration your medication, you know, you're not going to have great health outcomes. And she passed away. Um, Horrible. You know, that's, that's a sad story, Very but somebody, everybody has a story like that where like, Hey, wouldn't it have been great if I could cover my mom on my health insurance? Suddenly someone turns 26 and they're not a part of your family anymore. It's like ridiculous, but everybody, you know, I have friends that are taking care of their parents that are older now can't have, they're not old enough for, for Medicare, but they're not able to be put on their own insurance, whether they're Republican or Democrat, they all have, we all have a health story like that. I have a question about process to, to change gears. Let's say best case scenario, it's January, 2023, you're being sworn in for the next Congress. How do you imagine working within the system as it is right now with the Republican Party being as obstructionist as it is and getting anything practical or meaningful done for Americans? I see you have the vision, but in terms of getting past this 
this wall that is seems to have been thrown up by the right how, how do we break through and, and get the system working again yeah that's a that's a good question it's a question that that they came up quite a bit during the the 2020 uh presidential election where people uh would ask bernie that that same kind of question and his response um i always thought was like well come on bernie give himself a little bit more but it is it is it is one that I think is is pragmatic and it's truthful. Um, I, you know, I envision myself being the type of of, of legislator that is like a, a Cory Bush, where yes, you know, you get into policy and you you have that uh, you know I have that um, little bit of wonkiness where I have to read everything and read it twice and put it on an audio tape and sleep with it. <laughs> but I think the the most effective. Uh, politicians are ones that can organize themselves. So being an organizer at heart um, and able to persuade and, and move uh, the public, I think is, is where we're going to see a lot of, a lot of that pragmatism come to the forefront. We can't do anything without a large wave of people standing up and saying, this is what we want and demanding it loudly. Um, you know, that's the, the, the thing to me that I, I have noticed really over the last 10 years, um, probably even longer than that. When was Obama's first term? Gosh, um, yeah, is this, this, you know, Republican morphing from it, what used to be a party of no, and, you know, no progress on anything. Right. Um, and, and it used to cite conservative principles on why, you know, oh, we're fiscally conservative and all that rhetoric because when they became president you know they like to spend <laughs> right they, but, it's become um, a party of zero platform and basically they're just obstructionists yeah. at this point and trying to it's uh, just become a party of trump and yes, fascist um you know even even trump is not good enough for trump anymore is what it, it, it feels like and so um there's a lot of people you know, my father-in-law was a a big devin nunez fan um, you know, when I talked to him about getting into this race and we sat down, he's the type of person, you know, that I think is, is kind of the, the typical ideal American that I'm trying to, to speak to and, and who I share a background with. He, you know, graduated from high school, you know, back in the seventies where he had auto body and could get certified as a mechanic, graduated, went and did that work. And now he's like, you know, he runs a service shop and he's making, 160, 170,000 a year um, just with his high school degree because we made the investment in high school for him to be able to do that. Right. Um, and you get down to these levels and you're talking to, to people like him who are, you know, um, those traditional, what we would call regular conservative uh, Republicans. Um, it, we just have to change. I think we just have to change the way that we speak to them. I always... Uh, feel like we're always talking about like, you know, what's the matter with Kansas kind of an issue where it is, you know, white working class voters who are voting against their own economic interest. Right. And we have to realize that, you know, their, their values are with somewhere other than money. It's with, you know, you know, a lot of people identify their work with their identity and that's what they value is the identity, not necessarily well, the money it brings in, also, but the, the dignity of it. There's some of that too, but also and, and, they they want to hurt the right people too. That's what 
as part of it. There's there's a sickness, oh, yeah. there's a sickness <laughs> in this country that. that is still very prevalent and it uh, is there's, there's zero sum kind of kind of mentality. If someone else is getting something, then um, I'm losing, I'm losing right. something. Cor- corporate and, America has turned us into a bunch of just um, rabid dogs, like trying to like eat each other when, when we actually live in abundance and there's enough for everybody to go around, but we're all told that there's not. So we all fight each other while the rich people at the top watch it and just enjoy it and chuckle while they sit by their fireplace. Yeah, I wish that that America was more uh, communal, not to be confused with communist, but communal in that aspect of of thinking of ourselves as as you know our original motto of e pluribus unum, you know, of many one. But I think at at its heart, you know, we've kind of already always been an uh, individualistic country, and I would just instead of um, you know, looking at government as providing the greatest amount of good to the greatest amount of people. I think we should talk to people about a different vision for America, where it is the government is there to maintain fairness so that no one is above anybody else when it comes to things like voting, when it comes to things like actually having an opportunity for your kids, when it comes to things like, um, you know, just living and existing. Um, and I think that's the way that we break down uh, our value system and talk to those types of people. What about, um, what about, cause I'm talking to people every day doing call time and I'm talking to people. I, I called magic Johnson the other day. Hey, <laughs> did. how did that go? How'd you get his awesome. phone number? How about uh, that? Uh, it was his assistant. And it was not a cold you. call. <laughs> but he was just on this call time, sh- a call sheet. And I was like going through the names, and I'm like, recognize, oh, this Seth Green, uh, Magic Johnson. I'm like, I recognize all these well, people. You didn't call Seth Green because why didn't you call Seth Green? I called him too, but it went to voicemail, so I left <laughs> him a voicemail. I'm just kidding, but uh, <laughs> but you know, those are people no, that's cool. that, that you know they're millionaires and they're going to give me money, and I'm sitting here advocating for programs and stuff that are most likely going to result in you know increasing their taxes. But again, their values don't lie with their money. It is with, you know, it is with a clean earth and it is with clean water. It is with, uh, you know, making sure people have voting rights. Um, And so I think we just need to start talking value based and meeting people where they're at and not, you know, could I uh, ask you off with as an elitist? Can I ask you this question, though? Um, I've been uh, a little bit worried about my own safety in America just in general, because I, I see the writing on the wall as far as democracy goes. And I am a little bit cynical when it comes to that. You're jumping into it right now. And you obviously still trust the democratic process, but are you at all worried about the end of democracy? Because I, it keeps me up at night. You know, very much so because to be honest with you, um, you know, people that look like me haven't had it for that long. <laughs> um, you know, we, I grew up in a family um, that, you know, my grandma was was uh, a marcher, you know, and, and marched for, for voting rights. And, you know, on the back of her head, 
she'd have you run your fingers along to where she has the lump still from being clubbed for trying to vote. Um, so we went to my grandma down to the polls every voting session and um, every election. And so for me to look at what's going on in the United States now, I don't understand how we don't have things like automatic voter registration or um, why it's such a, why we have in what 2020 or 20, I guess this would have been 2018 midterms before the pandemic, why people were waiting in line six hours to vote. Yeah. Um, and now you have this situation where it's, it's, we don't even trust the votes that are, are happening. Well, we do. Uh, some people don't. Well, I mean, do, even like even 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 a lot of Republican elected Trump actually won. Re- Republican elected officials even trust the process. It's just these. It's a small, uh, loud minority of 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 wackos who are conservatives who are spilling lies. I mean, that's sort of what I. Well, yeah. yeah, we're we're circling back to Trump lost in Georgia, but she won. Yeah, like yeah. We're circling back to something I want to talk about because you've been uh, talking a lot about communication with with people, with voters, with with uh, average Americans, if you will. And uh, I just want to know, in a broader sense, how how do we break through or break down this uh, multimedia environment that is sprung up that is built itself around spreading lies and misinformation and disinformation and how do you break through with truth and reality and are able to actually speak to people and and have them believe you and and uh uh deprogram if you will all of this uh these noxious fallacies that that they've been consuming Yeah, that's a good, good point. And it's one of those things that I think that there is, you know, bipartisan when you look at the issue of, of social media, um, you know, people on the left and the right have a dislike of big, giant social media companies. Um, and as much as, you know, the Donald Trump was talking about, like, um, you know, his hate for, for, for Twitter and, and the, the, the lies that are on Twitter, you know, I, we look at January 6th and, and all the stuff that's coming about, like it was Antifa and BLM. And I see people on the left talking about, we didn't get rid of this Twitter and stuff like that. And so I think um, there is a way to, there, there's some commonality there. Um, but in terms of media, your Fox news, I'm sorry to interrupt, but in terms of like your larger legacy media conservative franchises and your uh, upstarts like One America Network and your Newsmax, how do you deal with the with the not necessarily the social media side of things, but uh, your more uh, stovepiped top down lies and uh, disinformation? Uh, systems that are are have been in place and and keep springing up. Yeah, fairly. You know, we got to we have to institute 
um, a fairness doctrine. Um, that uh, the, the fact that that went away, um, you know, with the expansion of media in general, we grew from having, you know, three news networks that were pretty much all showing the same thing to now people can choose what type of news they consume. Um, and there is, I always hear the, on the left of liberal biases of things like CNN or um, NPR, for goodness sakes. Um, without a fairness doctrine or, or, or some kind of way to codify um, that into a law to say that before every program that comes on on Fox News, um, that it is entertainment. And the same thing with, with NBC, uh, MSNBC, to say that this is, you know, an opinion show. Um, that is, that's the really kind of the only way to do it because, you know, we have the ability to, to look at programs. We're always, we're searching for confirmation bias, and that's the reason why people are watching these programs. So it's not necessarily to consume the news of the day or to get the, the, the most accurate information, it is to listen to um, what I already believe in my bubble. One of the things I don't think that, you know, people in my party do enough of is go into Fox News. So they leave it as a, as a bubble for people to just consume what they want to hear and not get any other talking points, talking points in. So I would love to, I've, if Fox News is listening, I would love to come on Fox News uh, but I think that's that's what we need to do because I mean, goodness gracious, you can watch a news clip, you watch watch a news story, just watch like an event that's happening, a video of something that's happening, and then whether it's on Fox News, whether it's on CNN, whether it's on MSNBC, you have a panel of four people talking to you about the clip that you just watched, and by the end of the, of the time that they're talking, you're like, shut up! I just watched it. I knew it. Ha I know what happened. By the end of them talking, you're like, "What the hell did I watch?" <laughs> so yeah, and, well, you know, and, and Pete, you know, Pete, Pete Buttigieg was going on Fox News a lot, uh, kind of recently, and he's he stopped after there were. I don't know if you saw there were a few viral uh, clips where he just schooled the Fox News anchors and hosts with logic, and yeah. I'm wondering if if they that. stopped asking him to go on. Um, and I wonder, I wonder, like, you know, you, you do, you mentioned, uh, these, these Democrats don't go on Fox news. I wonder like at what, what is their gatekeeping? Like maybe they're not allowing, um, voices like you or Pete Buttigieg or whoever to go on because they're afraid of, I mean, Eric Swalwell goes on there quite a bit. Okay. Um, I don't watch it very know, often, and, ever, and so I don't know. <laughs> I, I like to watch it cause it, it gives me kind of like a little little view into what the other side thinks, if you will. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, my mother-in-law watches, watches OAN. She watches Newsmax now because Fox news now is too, um, too liberal, too liberal. <laughs> oh my. All right. Um, well, and, and this new phenomenon, this new Q phenomenon, I don't know. Oh, I don't know how to, how to do that because, you know, we were in a situation, um, like my father-in-law has like hopped on board our campaign and he's like, we went to a, uh, uh, pro Palestine rally, and he was like acting as my my bodyguard. He's holding size, no war, and stuff, and he's he's all about it. <laughs> uh, my mother in law though is is not 
come around yet. Uh, I mean, um, we all have people in our family like this. I do. And uh, we do. And it was kind of a tough situation, um, you know, after the election. Um, they, my wife and her got into a little, little bit of a, a back and forth about, you know, voting for Joe Biden. And, um, you know, we, she did talk to us for, you know, months after that election. But yeah, um, and it, that's, you know, a story that's becomes, happening with a lot of families. And, there's that. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard to come back from, from a place where, you know, you think you're so right and you, you know, why don't they understand what's what's happening in this world? And it's like the big cabal, which is not a part of everybody's like normal day lexicon. So I know it's it's like a little bit of programming because who says cabal? But <laughs> it is like when you when you it's hard to pull people back because then it is like, well, I was wrong this whole time and I acted this way. And you got to be gracious and letting them come back to say, I love you. And let's just not talk about this. <laughs> Yeah, that's it, it, how it's we hard. There's a lot of ego involved, and uh, I think a lot yeah. of the sentiment that drives uh, Republicans, um, you know, even or particularly at the base, is just a difficulty acknowledging uh, any missteps or acknowledging mistakes and uh, as as I've come to think of it being Republican often means you know never having to say you're sorry um, I think for me personally that is what uh, drives a lot of of uh, the I don't know the grassroots political climate in this country anymore um, it's a difficulty or an inability to ever acknowledge any wrongdoing or to to change your mind you know i believed this you know when i was you know 20 and 15 and 10 because my parents believed yeah. it and and i can't i can't i for whatever reason psychologically i have a hard time acknowledging i'm wrong i can't eat or swallow the the humility and so I'm digging in my heels. Yeah, and I've kind of kind of learned to to kind of get past some of that defensiveness by, you know, finding finding agreement and stuff. So like yeah, when it when it comes to like the belief that uh you know millionaires and, and billionaires are are corrupting uh, our government, you know, both of us believe that. Um, and it's just, you know, she thinks it's a George Soros that's sending like Antifa money and funding things. And, and, you know, by the way, George, I didn't get my check last month. Um, (laughs) it is like, you know, and then I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, it's people like the Koch brothers who are, uh, bankrolling a lot of QAnon stuff. And, you know, so we're both, we both think in that that same thing is happening it's just you know how do we how do we break down the barrier to say like we're both right let's you know come together because in in my opinion we, again we we're talking about martin luther king earlier um as soon as martin luther king was talking about uh you know racism racism yes it's evil but let's look at the root of racism 
being uh, poverty and economics. And, you know, we, when black, white, Asian, uh, Hispanic, Latino, whatever, when we all have class solidarity, we can move certain things in the government. Right. And as soon as you start talking about that, um, you know, so we have very much a documented history uh, in this country of people when they start talking, not about divisions that are okay, like race or, um, you know, education. Uh, when we start talking about economic divisions and class, then people start to dissipate. <laughs> right. Um, that's where the real power is. And right I there. think that's, that's how we're going to move forward is, is, is there's a lot of people who, um, you know, schools nowadays that don't read To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> yeah. That's... Which is absolutely ridiculous to me. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that that kind of level of thinking is still you know, very much prevalent in the thinking that even though, um, you know, I'm, I am a poor white person, I am automatically better than this guy because I'm white. And... Trump was able to tap into that kind of thing. And um, it's all about, know, it's all about shifting the to, blame and making and creating easy target and, 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 and removing the focus from those yeah. who are actually oppressing. And it, uh, man, it's been going on in this country since the, for so long. It's a hard thing to break through, but I think you're right. If we can yeah. manage. Just like um, talking to people like that, I think they always that visual, that big fat guy in the suit with a bunch of cookies. And then there's the white dude with the one cookie and he's looking over and saying, Hey, that immigrant's going to steal your cookie. And yet he's got a big ass plate of cookies around him. So, right. uh, you know, once we have that economic message and, and we kind of saw it a little bit with, with, with the Bernie Sanders way with, with working people who were like, you know, fed up with, with, you know, the government as it is um, to, 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 to think that your vote doesn't matter um, because we've shown in a lot of ways that it doesn't and they want it to be that way. And so, um, you know, for me, getting people to, to turn up those people that are, you know, left out of our political system that are unseen and un, unspoken to, um, I think we need to engage with in, in, um, my campaign is is really focused not only on um, you know reaching the people. We always you know we're doing a campaign as I'm learning. There's you know, we get these sheets that have people's voter data and things like that, and you're like going mapping out neighborhoods of people that voted in the last three elections, people that haven't voted in the last five, and you're like, well, we're going to target the people that voted in the last three. And I'm like, how about these people that didn't vote in the last five? Why didn't they vote? Let's go talk to them. Yeah. And so I bet that's, that's really interesting. Great strategy. That's great. Well, we are almost out of time here. We appreciate you uh, coming on and, and chatting with us. Lauren Hubbard is where you want to go. Well, LaurenHubbard.com is the website where you can learn more about the platform and make a donation, get involved with the campaign. It's L O U R I N. That's how you spell Lauren, by the way. H U B B A R D. Lauren and- Hubbard. H-U-B-B-L-A-R-D. Or you can just simply go to L-H, the number four, and then the letter C.com, and it'll take you to the same place. 
Okay, cool. Well, that makes it easier. All right. Well, thank you uh, for coming on the show and, and chatting with best us. Best of luck. This has been a great conversation, and we, uh, we'll be keeping an eye on your campaign. We wish you the best of luck, and hopefully we can bring you back on yeah. closer to uh, November and uh, check in with see, see how things are going. So. Yeah, we have a special election going on here to fill the seat in April. April. 5th. Oh, you're right. So, yeah. Did, so um, yeah, You guys are invited to my uh, election day party. Okay. We'll do karaoke. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, we'll uh, hopefully see. Well, we will see you then. How about because you're going to win this, and uh, we are uh, we're we're rooting for you, man. So uh, good luck, and you don't need it, but good luck. All right, you guys take care. Have a good night. All right, take care. Have a good night. Bye. All right, we'll be right back here on it's news to us. You can follow us on Twitter, of course. It's news to us, and. Um, Jason, any any thoughts? Uh, we didn't get to hear from you too much. Did you have anything that uh, you wanted Chris, to say? You know, uh, Chris kind of touched what I was thinking through that whole thing was just the disinformation. I think that's yeah. the first thing that has to be tackled, and I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's tough. It's so it's, hard. It's hard. This is a really difficult situation. We'll be right back. Uh, don't go anywhere. It's IW Radio. It's news to us on Adobe Radio. Time for the dirty deets. We'll talk about what's happening with the January 6th commission. It is getting a little bit spicy, isn't it, Jason? A lot is happening there. Are we ready? Yeah, last week, a a lot happened. The dirty deets. An in-depth look at this week's most important stories. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I love I'm how annoyed you were. Why, what's wrong with you? Why are you so? You know the thing plays. I, I don't know the thing plays. Why? Why did you get so frustrated there? You're like, oh my god, I hate, I hate my life. I just feel so stupid. You have to sit here for an hour a week, and then a piece of production plays. It's very difficult. <clears throat> yeah, my hours almost up. <laughs> You're just not into it tonight. You got a lot going on. Yeah, I'm just distracted. I got I got stuff going on. That's you all. know, Lester Holt's pretty distracted too, but he never tells no, he's the, the listeners, uh, the viewers. When's the last time you watched Lester Holt? Maybe a couple months. <laughs> really? Yeah. I watched him go up. Uh, he went inside of the arch in, in St. Louis. He took the elevator Riveting. up and I watched him Why? go. I don't know, but I was fascinated that they put that on TV. What happens when he gets to the top? Does he like go upside down? I don't understand. No, he rode up it as a four minute ride and you ride up with him in real time when he's interviewing somebody. I'm like, this is the most boring thing I've ever watched. I wonder why nobody watches NBC or like regular news anymore. Mm. But Dirty Deeds, yeah, January 6th. The thing won't play. It's okay. <laughs> I, I'm gonna try now. I know that it's a it's a rough night for you, but come on, Com- compartmentalize, uh, bury your pain like everybody else. <laughs> I don't do that, but <laughs> I have to know about January sixth. Yeah, we're waiting. Uh, you, you know, uh, we're waiting with bated breath over here, and he's like he's being so suspenseful. Oh, I thought. Am I ready to go? Yes, go? sir. Do you want me to play the thing again? All you. Yeah, I, you are I'll live. Play the thing again. This is a live <laughs> show. It's a live show. We are live tonight, Mr. New. We're always live. I, I almost said your name. Please, Jason. We're live tonight, If Jason. you'd rather not talk about this, that's okay. 
What are we talking? No, can you about? give us like a, an update, like a quick update? January sixth. Yeah, what's going on around Trump's? Why neck. am I like having a hard time following what's happening right now? I don't know what's going on with you. Are we? Are am I kicking in? Right, Chris, are we not being clear, or is the show a little bit messed? I feel like I'm lagging a little bit. I I like, feel like I'm, I'm waiting like on him. Five seconds behind you guys. Yeah, maybe that could possibly explain it. Yeah. Are you having connection issues? All right. So January 6th, last week, a lot happened uh, with the House committee. Um, a lot happened. I don't know if you guys kept up with it, but we're going to we're going to bring you up to speed. Please. The Supreme Court ruling uh, was handed down where the DJT was suing to try to block documents from being shared right. to the committee from the National Archives. The Supreme Court ruled eight to one in favor of allowing Clarence this, uh, Thomas was the only dissenting judge in that ruling. What a jerk. Over 700 documents were shared to the committee. They're not going to uh, allow those to be public at this time as it's still an open investigation. But uh, we have had some, a little bit of morsels coming out that there was a draft where DJT was going to sign an executive order where the military was going to seize voting machines in uh, select states for the voting machines to be inspected, oh. which has never been, happened in our uh, the oh. history of the United States. See, this is what, w- with the guest, I, w- I uh, saw what you're talking I wanted, about. And, I, well, I, wanted to, my, I wanted to ask him if he was uh, worried about more violence, but uh, we simply ran out of time. As they say in the biz, yeah, I think and, Eddie Eddie did bring that up. Uh, but the 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 thing with seizing voting machines and then the uh, we came so close, guys, to having a, a real life coup in this country, and it's not over; it's still happening. It's happening in slow motion at this point. I mean, we had an attempted coup, but it came uh, very close. Burn. It had had those January six insurrectionist terrorists um, t- took in a wrong turn or. Uh, right, you know, a, a right there, right, or had been like a minute or two ahead of pace. My God. Anyways, back to the committee news from last week. DJT's family is under the microscope at this point. The committee seized records, phone records of uh, Don uh, Junior, Eric Trump, and Don Junior's girlfriend or wife. I don't know who she is. Kim- Kimberly Goyfoyle. Yeah, that how you say that's one of the girlfriends. I Goyfoyle. believe. Goyfoyle. Yeah. yeah. She was also on Fox She's News crazy. or something, right? I think uh, I uh former wife of uh Gavin Newsom. Ew. Yeah. Well, you know, and and since those records so um DJT put out a statement or said somewhere that the Democrats are going after children. That was his response. Like, how dare they go after children? Mm-hmm. Those are forty year old people who were in positions of power in the government. And now we're calling them children. Uh, also, well, worth, they're childlike. Uh, <laughs> worth noting is Ivanka Trump uh, was invited to come uh, speak to the committee. We'll see if she's going to comply or not. Um, but uh, that's yeah, like I said, it's the you know it's starting to get a little, little more heat on DJT right now. If you know. That is one slippery dude, though. Teflon Don. You, they if, call I, him if I have to, yeah. If I have to give him credit for anything, that man knows how to wriggle out of trouble. 
I have to say something nice about him. I guess it would have to be that. Well, I mean, so I'll, you, I'll believe it when I see it. When you're a rich, <clears throat> overweight white man who speaks with authority, um, I feel like it's a lot easier to get away with with uh, with crime. Well, you got country. a crime in plain sight. I think is uh, and white and a lot of it's white collar. Don't try to hide it. Crime. Don't hide it. And Just also that too, front. yeah. Then you 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 break so many laws that they can't keep up with you. And in white collar crime, it takes a long time for them to prosecute. And he realized that, and he he broke the judicial system. Uh, it, there's a big Just fight it, appeal it, you know, just keep fighting. Yeah. Just draw it all out so that everyone forgets crime in front of everyone, so you're not blown away by any revelations. Thank you. All right, uh, we have to do another quick break. We. We'll come right back. A few other things to get to. It's news to us. It's news to us back here on IW Radio. What? Wait. Uh, looking at Jason's feed, and he turned off his camera. Is he still there? <laughs> I don't. Doesn't seem like it. It's probably taking a leak. All right. Maybe he's taking a leak. We're not sure. We have a giant J we're looking at now. Yeah. For Jason. Um, there were a couple things to get to, but I mean, like I kind of wanted Jason here, uh, cause he's part of the show, but we can give him a, a second. Uh, let's turn yeah. him off. That's fine. God knows. Uh, I'm no help. Oh, you are. You're a, you're a big helper, Chris. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we've, we've brought up this topic before on it's news to us, but I do have to say it again and maybe you could answer freshly but mm-hmm. if your dog was being attacked by a bear what would you do do you do you feel that like you would defend the the dog by fighting the bear or would you there's a, the, that's there's so many uh, like variables involved in that question like yeah type of bear environment you know am i armed with anything like not necessarily gun but do i have bear spray am i on a hike okay do well I i'll give you this like scenario i'll Is give you this rocket hand let me give you this scenario that i'm referring to so there's this dude he must live in uh, the country he has a back porch covered and a bear starts to enter his covered patio and his little dog is right there by the entrance and he uh, he springs into action. So in that scenario, what kind I, of bear? A black bear. Okay. All a right. poo bear. He, and here's the video. Here's an audio too. Here's what happened. Here we go. So the bear is coming in. It's very vicious. Then he like just puts a table. Yeah. So yeah, my instincts. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would defend my. The guy looked like he got bear. scratched pretty bad though. That looked, that looked painful because the bear did get him on the shoulder. Still, he's alive. So yeah, but did, did the dogs but, chase the bear? And Chris, he's gonna need a band aid. 
What happened to the dogs after the bear? Like, yeah, that's not entirely out? clear. The bear, yeah, it looks like Look the dog the is dogs. ran outside. Yeah, so oh, let's wa- should we watch it again? It's a quick clip. Maybe we oh. can get a better view. Here we go. Okay. Keep your eyes on the dogs and hands. I think the the dog. No, the dog ran inside. So there's one dog that ran inside, but what happened to the other dog is not clear. It almost looked like the bear maybe got it, or the dog ran outside to chase the bear. I'd have to see that one more time, honestly, but I'm not sure. We could, but um, yeah, I think time both is, went, yeah. I, I think both went in towards the house. I think the man like got in the way yeah, of the dog. I think around. I think actually the news story is that he saved the dogs. So there, there's okay. no mention well, of the dogs being injured or hurt or eaten alive. I kind of feel bad for that bear too, because you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, he didn't even knock though. Yeah. I mean, it's an open door. Yeah. Is there yeah. a picnic basket in here? Yeah. He thought it was, the, he was looking for a party. He had the wrong street. <laughs> you know, I always it's worry about news to us. What? New- What's up? Nothing. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> guys. No. Have a good night. Bye. No, wait, what? I'm out. Oh, don't do that. Oh, there he is. I didn't know you wanted to fun. say something. I thought the segment we was like moving. to have fun. Yeah, no. I honestly on. didn't mean to do that. It takes me actually no, takes me no. a long time to get to that, and I can't even see you, or I don't know what you're saying. So it, I no. didn't mean to cut you off. I was try. I literally was not trying. <laughs> Fucking hit the button. What were you gonna say? Hit the goddamn button. All right. It's news to us. News roundup. A reporter was hit by a car in the middle of a live broadcast. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. And she kept reporting after she was hit by the car. What? Really? Yeah. A pro. She's a pro. And apparently this is like the classic thing from those buddy cop movies. She was like two weeks from quitting her job when this happened. Why are you laughing at that, Chris? No, because, yeah, no, it's oh. such a cliche. That's funny. Oh, okay, That's yeah. All. But, yeah, the, the cliche is strong in this one. But anyways, uh, here is uh, that clip. On the free story, Yorkie joins us now live in Dunbar. And, Tori, they're not seeing any flakes but wet roads. And now we're starting to experience, unfortunately, in freeze thaw, we see this, water main breaks. Oh, holy oh Christ! I do. got hit by a car, but I'm okay. I just... Yeah, so she's this guy by the Dude, car. What is wrong with that anchor? Look at the anchor. He's like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with him? What? What do you? Why do you say that? He should have jumped out of his seat. He just looked like this is so I'm, typical Debbie, very unprofessional, <laughs> getting hit by a car. I'm glad that you say right into my question. I'm glad that you have to do the reporting. I'm glad that you guys mentioned that because as this clip goes on, that was kind of my observation that this guy is very emotionless during the whole thing. He's almost like a robot. Yeah. yeah that guy is. Hit by a car, but I'm well, okay, Tim. That's the first um, I'm on okay. TV, Jory. Whoa, we're all good. What is wrong with him? That's the first for you like on that. TV, Jory. I wonder if she wants to leave. Oh, that's the first for you. Like that. What is the matter with that man? 
Okay, yeah, you know, that's live TV for you. It's all good. I actually got hit by a car in college, too, just like that. Wow. I <laughs> Just like that. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> wow. Yeah. You're okay. You're okay. We're all good. This is yes. all. Oh. Yeah. He is so annoyed and angry with her. Yeah. I she, hate that guy. Look at that face. That man. He's, he's, he's mad. He's I mad. He's guy. Maybe he's worried about the cameraman because, like, she's like trying to say, like, reassuringly, like, you're okay. We're okay. Let's get you back up. Nobody Maybe cares a- about you, Brittany. Is Josh okay? <laughs> a face of concern because I mean, that is not a face really of concern. No, this guy is, he doesn't give that a is shit. That is a face of arrogant. He doesn't, he doesn't care. If, if I was doing a live broadcast on TV and somebody hit by a car, I feel like I would my jump God. out of my seat and be like, I literally would have jumped out of my seat. Yeah. yeah. And be like, are you okay? And, and like, what is going on? And this guy oh, just yeah. smug. That guy, oh see? my God. Yeah. He saw the whole thing. What if he can't see? All he can do is hear them. Well, even if I he, guess maybe. But even maybe, he, maybe so. Okay. He might be right. That's this okay. guy's defense okay. is that the, he can only hear. But at the same time, if I heard somebody get hit by a car, I would still jump out of my seat. I'm sorry. Yeah, but she's not my colleague just got crying. hit by a car. She's not screaming or crying. No, I'd be like, oh. Very yeah, but calm. the words hit by I just got hit by a car. But she's very calm. Alarming. She's calm. She says we're okay. You know what? She also it's said I got hit by a car. We're good, Tim. Man, sure okay? you are so sweet and you are okay. okay. It is all good. You know, I <laughs> Oh Lord. So you You know it's my last week on the job and I think this would happen. So you were bumped in, to me, Tim. Were you bumped down low, Tori, or were you hit up high? I couldn't really tell from the looking. <gasps> Wait, he oh, said he saw. Yeah, he saw. I couldn't. He saw. What the hell? So now this guy's a liar too, because his official statement is, "I did not see," but he just said, "I couldn't tell where you got hit." So that implies that he saw the fucking thing. Yeah, that's that's dick move, man. Oh my god, this guy's a liar. Brett, what is what is with this guy? Goddamn textbook classic sociopath. I, I I don't even do you know if I was bumped down low or up high, sir? I just saw you disappear. I don't even know. I don't even know, Tim. Again, Although, I just saw you disappear out of the screen. Again, this guy's official statement yeah. is I I couldn't see the monitor. You know, I gotta say, there's nothing sexier than a woman who knows how to take a pratfall. I my whole life just flashed before my eyes, oh, but this happen. is live TV and everything's okay. I I thought I was gonna say <laughs> wait. What was that? Oh, that can happen. She just said that her life flashed before her her eyes, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that that happens." This guy's like like licked his teeth, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that 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 can happen." Oh my god, is this like Dexter? (laughs) Maybe making sure he doesn't have food in his teeth because that would just make this whole segment. This guy, this is the story. Wow, sociopathic news anchor is the story, not when he gets hit by a car spot but clearly um we might need to move the camera over a bit yeah. so let me do that while i'm uh, thinking about it now t- just to set the oh, stage you know? for you once again tori's in an area right now there have been a water main break so there are emergency vehicles around there and a lot of times what we have seen in those kind of situations yeah. are in when emergency vehicles are around there's a lot of confusion from people about drivers about where to go so it's possible people that's get what distracted there. a little bit yeah 
typical man victim blaming right away. Like, well, yeah. everybody knows Tori's a dumb bitch for standing in the road. <laughs> oh my god. Well, man, I hate that guy. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> what a what a fucking asshole. Yeah. Well, okay, one more quick thing it. to get to before we wrap up the show. Jason is what a uh, show. Getting really annoyed. He's got to go. He's, what a great Eddie, conversation we had. Eddie, with, we have uh, lost your audio. You are silent. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm still on the air on Adobe, but I oh, okay, on the video you, you couldn't hear me. Jay, I said that one more quick thing to get to. Uh, I know Jason's got to go. He's he has he's getting very anxious. He has things to do. That's right. So, bye everyone. <laughs> sorry, sorry that this is an inconvenience. <laughs> it's not. Okay. <laughs> Good Lord. I know you have a lot going on, though. I apologize. That you're having a rough uh, evening. Hurry. Today. Come on. Let's go to the last thing. Quickly. Stop fucking drawing Quickly. this shit out, man. Um, Quickly. Okay. Uh, I'll pick a number two. Uh, do you have to poop? Is that your problem? All right. So Extra large fries <laughs> and a water because I'm watching my figure. A uh, uh, Fox News reporter asked Joe Biden a question about uh, inflation and said, it's a little bit hard to hear in the audio. So I'll, I'll say just in case you can't hear it, but he says, do you think inflation is a political liability in the midterms? And this is a reporter from Fox news. So that's a really stupid question. Uh, Obviously for many reasons, do you think that inflation is a political liability who wants inflation as a president? And uh, Joe Biden had a very interesting response. Here's this clip. It's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. Yeah, so Joe that's Biden, our new end. That's our new end soundbite, right? right? There. Son of a bitch. Yeah. So Joe Biden called this guy a stupid son of a bitch. He's like, no, I want more inflation. It's an asset. Uh, you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it. I want that as our. Uh, yeah. Real quick, you know yeah. how everyone's like, oh, he's not all there. Well, doesn't that just prove he is there? Yeah. I think we got to hear that again. Just that part. What a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> the look of disgust on his face, too. He's like, oh, stupid son of a bitch. Uh, that That's the... All right. We can edit there. But yeah, you're right. That should definitely be part of the show. Yes. I know, Jason, you have to go. Any uh, final words from you or... Should we read any passages out of the Bible or uh, <laughs> Jason's final thoughts? Jason looks very uh, like he, he has somewhere to be. He's very unhappy right now. Mm. Tori just got hit by a car, which, of course, <laughs> all right, me means I, I can't talk about what I wanted to talk about, which was the news, Tori. <laughs> Waterman break. Why did you set up the camera in the street? Tori. Tori. By the emergency vehicles, Tori. Why did you put the camera in front of that speeding car, Tori? Was that even your name, Tori? I don't even know your name. I thought it was Jessica, actually. 
Tori, are you okay? Oh, she's fine. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. That guy was a piece of work. Son of a bitch.